Today on Awaken to Grace, we're going to study this portion of Joseph's life where he stands before Pharaoh. This is part four of our current sermon called Providence, the Life of Joseph. And today we're going to call this the making of a godly man. And when Joseph stands before Pharaoh, literally his life is going to change in a matter of hours. What has been years in the making is about to come to fruit in Joseph's life, and we're going to see the supernatural providence of God in an extraordinary way. I'm glad you're joining us on today's episode of Awakened to Grace. My goal today is to show you why you and I should not despise seasons that we find ourselves in the king's prison. Chapter 41 opens up in an extraordinary way to me, and I want to call today's sermon the making of a godly man. The making of a godly man. When you and I left Joseph last week, he was in prison. He'd interpreted the dreams of the chief baker and the chief cupbearer. As the word of the Lord said, the chief baker was killed three days after the dream and the chief cupbearer was restored to Pharaoh's household. And he went back to serving Pharaoh just as the Lord said would happen. Where you and I left Joseph last week is Joseph told the cupbearer, when you stand before Pharaoh, please remember me. Keep me in your mind. Tell Pharaoh that I am a young Hebrew and I was ripped from my father's household. I was sold into slavery. I was falsely accused and now I'm in prison and see if Pharaoh will help me. Well, the Bible picks up in chapter 41, verse 1. Notice carefully what it says. After two whole years. Now, friends, I can't imagine what Joseph was going through in this prison. And I want to I stay in a moment, just for a moment, I want you to stay with me in prison with Joseph because I, I can't imagine that as Joseph went through the daily grind of prison life, I mean, we're talking about an Egyptian, an ancient Egyptian prison. The Bible calls it a pit. It must have been underground. And, and, and the conditions must have been unbelievably terrible. And I can't imagine the daily grind. But listen, I think there's something different in this text. This is after Joseph had interpreted the dream of the cupbearer. And I can't imagine that in Joseph's mind, as he's sitting in prison, that he, he, he has to see the providence of God here. And he has to be blown away that God gave him a direct link to Pharaoh. I mean, God gave him literally a man who has the personal trust and the personal attention of Pharaoh. You know what a cupbearer did? It tasted the food and the drink of Pharaoh. So if someone poisoned Pharaoh, it would kill the cupbearer before Pharaoh. You think he got hazard pay for that? He should have. That's a dangerous job. But he had to have had the trust of Pharaoh to have that position. And Joseph says, when you stand before Pharaoh, remember me. And do you know what this text tells us? The cupbearer forgot him. And for two years, for two years, 
He sat in prison. I can't imagine the expectation level of Joseph knowing that the cupbearer, he had favor with him and knowing the cupbearer would mention him to Pharaoh. And I wonder what Joseph thought as days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. Have you ever been at a place where you were confident that God was about to intervene? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were sure that God was going to turn the circumstance? You believe that God had finally heard and answered your prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? And you knew God was going to change it. But days turned into weeks. Weeks has now turned into months and perhaps years. Friends, this is where Joseph found himself. And you know what's different between our lives and Joseph's life? I, I, I'm sure that God spoke to Joseph. I'm sure that Joseph had an unbelievable prayer life. But let me tell you what Joseph did not have. He didn't have the promise of God. He didn't have the word of God. He didn't have scripture that he could ponder on and meditate on and hold to as you and I do. Scholars tell us that there are some 7,400 promises in the Bible. Did you know that? 7,400 promises in God's word. That's what you and I have to meditate on, to hold fast to, to find strength in, to take comfort in, and to sustain us. Friends, Joseph didn't have that. And there he sat. Day after day, week after week, month after month, for what the Bible calls a whole two years. I think there's a sermon just in that word, whole. Friends, this was an excruciating waiting on Joseph's behalf. So what was God doing? Let me tell you what God was doing. And let me tell you what I believe God's doing in your life as you wait and what God's doing in my life as I wait. If you go to Job chapter 23, I want you to read Job 23 on your own time this week because some of you truly need this. There are some of you listening today, whether you're in the building or whether you're watching online, and you're asking the question, where is God when I need him the most? Where is God when I need him the most? Where is he? Friends, you know that Job had the exact same question. I believe Joseph had the exact same question in chapter 41, verse 1. Where is God? Notice what, what Job said in Job chapter 23. He says to God, if, if, if I could find God, I would plead my case before him. If I knew where he was, if I could get before his throne, I would plead my cause and the Almighty would listen to me, but I don't know where God is. You ever felt like that in life? Job said, if I turn to the left, he's not there. If I turn to the right, he's not to be seen. If, he's, if I go forward, he's not there. If I look backward, God is not there. Where is he? And do you know what God said to Job? Job says, then he said to me, 
when you come through this. In other words, when I'm done, when I have made my man, when I have made my woman, when I have done the process of the making of a godly man, a godly woman, here's what God said. You will come forth as refiner's gold. As refiner's fire, you're going to come out like pure gold. And how many of you know there are times that God must, he must take us through the refiner's fire. He's going to burn out all the impurities. He's going to burn out all the dross. He's going to get all that out of us to where when he looks at us, he sees his reflection in the gold that he's refined. Amen. And that's what I want God to do to my life. And let me tell you, let me encourage you, Christian, because some of you are in the place where I am and we are in the place where Joseph was. We know God's going to deliver us. We know God's going to help us. We know God's not going to leave us where we are. And we trust so mightily in his power. We trust so strong in the miracle. We trust so strong in God's sovereign hand and his ability to intervene and to turn situations. And there are times that we see providence and we see the direct link of what God's doing. And but yet it seems as though God's forgotten. And it seems as though God sent us a cupbearer with the direct link to what we need. But yet it seems as though God just forgot. Am I preaching the truth today? And what do you do in those seasons? What do you do in those times? You remember that God has not forgot you. He is refining you as pure gold. Amen. And here's my point today. If I'm going to trust so strong in the miracle, if I'm going to trust so strong in the outcome, if I'm going to trust so strong in the deliverance that God's going to give me, then should I not trust just as strong in the process? Should I not have faith that God knows what he's doing right now, this moment in my life? Praise God for when the deliverance comes, but can I praise God in the prison? Can I praise God when what God promised doesn't seem quite to work out? Can I praise God as days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years? Can I praise God just as strong? No, if God wants to make a godly man, if he wants to make a godly woman, Friends, there is no other way, there is no other course, there's no other plan than the refiner's fire, amen? Don't resist it, don't despise it, don't turn away from it. Say, God, you burn out of me all that must be burned out of me until my life glorifies you. The refiner's fire, amen. Can we just thank God for the refiner's fire in our lives, amen? All of the times, all of the seasons that God has used to burn those things out of us, praise God for the refiner's fire. I want my life to be valuable for the kingdom of God. And there's not but one way to do it. That's to go through the fire. Are you willing are you willing to go through the fire? So in Job chapter 41, verse one, we see that two whole years, and I just think there is massive emphasis on that word whole. I think that tells us it was an excruciating 
wait for Joseph. Then verse 2 tells us that Pharaoh dreamed a dream. What a crazy dream Pharaoh had. I'm not going to elaborate on it because I don't have the time today, but you can go back and read it. Ultimately, it's going to represent seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And watch what happens in our text. <laughs> this is beautiful. Pharaoh has this dream, and he's very disturbed by it. And he calls all of his wise men and all the magicians of Egypt. Now, magicians didn't mean like a magician today. It's not card tricks. It's not illusions or anything like that. Magicians would have been those who studied the stars. It would have, in reality, it was divination. It was witchcraft. But none of these wise men, none of these divinations or magicians, as the text calls it, no one could understand Pharaoh's dream. Then the cupbearer remembers Joseph. The cupbearer says to Pharaoh, there was a young Hebrew in prison. He interpreted my dream correctly, and I believe he could help you, Pharaoh. The text tells us that Pharaoh called for Joseph. Now I find it interesting. Uh, When they called for Joseph, it says they brought him up quickly out of the pit. But they had to do some grooming on him. We don't know how long Joseph was in prison. I personally think he spent most of his 20s in prison because at this point in the text, he's 30. He was sold at age 17. It just, at least in my mind, I think perhaps he worked for a couple of years for Potiphar. I don't think it took long for Potiphar's wife to find him attractive and make her advances. I think he spent all of his 20s in prison. And the Bible says that they had to do some grooming on him and they had to change his clothes. Can you imagine how smelly, how tattered, how stained a garment that you've probably been in for 10 years was? Can you imagine that? They said they had to shave him, which I would take issue with personally, but Egyptians are clean shaven, so. They had to shave him. And they had to put new clothes on him just to stand before Pharaoh. To me, that gives us an idea of his condition. He stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's asking, this this is just riveting to me. Say amen if you're ready to learn some great principles right now. This is going to be strong. Pharaoh asks Joseph, he says, I've been given a dream, and I understand that you can give the interpretation. Is this true? Let me tell you what I would have done had I been Joseph. <laughs> I think if I'd been Joseph, I would say, it's true, O Pharaoh, that I need you to do something for me first. You know that guy Potiphar that works for you? I need him gone. <laughs> you know the cupbearer who forgot me? I need him gone. You know this dungeon you've had me in for all of these years? I need a pardon. You sign a pardon, and I'll interpret the dream. You give me what I want, I'll give you what you want. I would have used some leverage. Anybody else would have done that? You understand what I'm saying? But that is not at all what Joseph did. Do you know what Joseph did? Listen listen what he tells Pharaoh. This is unbelievable. He says, it is not within me, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Unbelievable. 
You know what he's saying? He's saying God will give Pharaoh peace. God's going to give you the answer, Pharaoh. Don't you worry. God's going to tell you the interpretation. What a, humi- what, what a, what a humble answer. <coughs> Can you hear the humility in Joseph's answer? Pharaoh, it's not within me, but it's the Lord. He gave all glory to God. Do you know what that tells me, my friends? God made gold in that prison. He didn't have to promote himself. He didn't have to leverage his gifts or his abilities. He didn't have to try to secure a pardon. He didn't have to seek revenge on those who had done him wrong. I I, I truly believe for all that Joseph knew, he could have answered Pharaoh's dream and Pharaoh said, back to prison. And he didn't try to work a deal. He didn't try to get an angle. He didn't try to maneuver anything. He just gave glory to God. Amen. And let me tell you, when you can tell you're making progress in the king's prison, that's when you stop praying selfish prayers. That's when you stop worrying about your comfort and your advancements and what's going to get you ahead in life. And when you begin to say, God, all I want is for you to be glorified. If you are glorified, I'm satisfied. That's how you know you're making progress in the king's prison. He gave all glory to God. He didn't leverage himself. He didn't promote himself. He didn't secure a deal. He just gave glory to God. Are you able to do that in your circumstance right now? Or, or, if you took an inventory of all of your praying with the thread of selfishness be woven into all of your praying. Let's guard ourselves. Let's guard ourselves. That even when we pray for good things, you know, I pray for our church a lot. Lord, will you strengthen our church and will you grow us, God, and will you help us and will you advance us and will you strengthen your... I have to be so careful. Why do I want this church to grow? So that God is glorified or that my pride is elevated? Amen? And let me tell you personally, let me tell you one of the greatest blessings of blindness is I have no idea how many people's here today. <laughs> I have no clue. I have no idea. I don't know if it's a great crowd or if it's a puny crowd. I just preach all the same no matter what. Amen? Because I can't see you. It also helps when I have to preach hard topics. I don't worry about what people look like. I can't see you. I just load both barrels and go, right? (laughs) Say what God says. Try to get off the stage without having a healing service, right? (laughs) we can pray good things we can pray we can pray for revival is revival God's will oh yes but will he give it if our motive is off will he answer that prayer if the real motive of the prayer is God let us be seen God let us 
have an experience. Let us have an emotional Is God going to answer prayers like that? No. It's the king's prison that changes your motives. And I believe Joseph really learned how to give glory to God in his life because when he stood before the most powerful, the most wealthy, the most influential man in the universe, he said, it is not in me, but God will give favor, Pharaoh a favorable answer. What humility. So Joseph does interpret the dream. Joseph tells him there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. A famine like the world has never known. Let me pause just for a moment here. It's okay if I just do a, a, a very quick practical teaching, just real quick. Does God still speak through dreams? Does God still give dreams today? Spiritual dreams? My personal answer is yes. I believe it's very biblical. Now, does that mean that all dreams are spiritual dreams? Oh, Lord, I hope not, because I got some weird dreams, right? (laughs) Any of you guys have weird dreams sometimes? I hope not all. No, no, all Not all dreams are spiritual dreams. But let me just share some practical teaching with you for a moment. God does speak in dreams. He most certainly does. For me, for my life, what I find, one way that I know that my dreams, that that a dream is a spiritual dream versus just, you know, ate something weird the night before or I'm groggy or whatever the case is. Here's here's a couple ways that I know that my dreams are spiritual when the Lord is speaking to me. Number one, I can remember everything. It's very vivid, and I remember almost every detail. Dreams that are very fuzzy, and I don't remember a lot. No, I I don't think that's of the Lord. But when a dream is often short, and when a dream is often very vivid, and I remember every detail... That's an indicator to me, the Lord speaking to me. The other indicator is that it won't let me go. I can try to forget it, but it won't let me forget. You ever had that happen to you? And so dreams like that, I think often the Lord is warning us or the Lord is showing us. At least I find in my life, many of my dreams that are spiritual are warnings. Let let me give you just a couple of examples, and then I'll give you some scripture that I based this on. Uh, some years ago, I dreamed, uh, you know, back here, people who are watching online who don't live in our area, excuse me, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about, but just hang with me. You guys know where Max Medicine is and St. Dominic School is, uh, what is like headed toward Fort Henry. You know what I'm talking about? I was sitting at that red light. <clears throat> I had a dream. This was some years ago. I had a Jeep Wrangler, a white Jeep Wrangler. Oh, I loved that Jeep Wrangler. It passed away and went to heaven, but I loved that Jeep Wrangler. And uh, I was sitting in that Jeep Wrangler, and I was sitting uh, in front of Max Medicine, headed into downtown. So Max Medicine was on my left, and St. Dominic's was on my right. And the light turned green. And when the light turned green in my dream, naturally, I went. And when I went, this car came barreling down Uh, that hill behind DB ran the red light and hit me in that Jeep and hurt me very badly. Then I woke up. 
I perceived, I sensed that the Lord was speaking to me. Now, does that mean I totally avoided that area? Maybe for a week or two. But I tell you what I did do, every time that I would sit at that red light, when it turned green, I didn't just go. I looked and I double-checked. Why? Because I sensed the Lord was warning me of something. Does that make sense to you? Let me tell you a far more serious when I was in high school, my dad, didn't be, my dad wasn't truly born again until the last 15 years of his life. And one night when I was still in school and knowing that my dad wasn't truly born again, I had a very, very vivid dream that I was standing by his casket. And it so disturbed me. I woke up, I got on my knees right then. And oh, how I interceded. I wept and I pleaded for his soul. Why? I felt as though the Lord warned me. Does that make sense to you? If you want to note this, if you're interested in this, and then I'm going to move on. Job chapter 33, verses 15 and 16. Listen to what the Bible says. Now, again, like anything, people can take things too far. Don't take dreams too far. Like anything, there's a ditch, right? There's a ditch where people think every dream is spiritual. There's a ditch where people think no dream is spiritual. You want the double yellow lines. And I think for me, the double yellow lines is Job 33, 15, and 16. The Bible says that it's in the slumberings of the bed, listen to this, when deep sleep has fallen upon man, the Lord opens his ears. Isn't that interesting? When deep sleep has fallen upon man, the Lord opens his ears. Do you know what that verse says to me? It says that I think many times I'm too distracted through the busyness of the day. It's when deep sleep comes upon me that God can really get my attention and God can speak to me in ways that God wants to speak to me. Amen? So I want to encourage you, pay attention to your dreams. You say, Chad, what do I do if I get a dream that I feel is spiritual? Then what do I do? <coughs> we'll go to Proverbs chapter 22. Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember the reference. So just read the whole chapter. It'll be good for you. Just read the whole thing. <laughs> But there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 22. And listen to what it says. The prudent or the wise, when the Lord speaks, the prudent or the wise will take it to heart. The simple will let it pass on. So if you have a spiritual dream that you feel God is speaking to you or more important, warning you, take it to heart. Don't be simple and just let it roll off. Ask the Lord for discernment. Ask the Lord to show you what he's saying to you. Because I do believe there's a deep biblical principle, Job 33, 15, 16. When deep sleep has fallen upon man, he opens our ears. And this is what he did for Pharaoh. Now we're back to our text in Genesis. This is what he did for Pharaoh. He showed Pharaoh what God was going to do. And Joseph said, Pharaoh, because you've dreamed it twice, the matter is fixed and God will perform it. 
Well, next we see the unbelievable happen. Literally within a moment, literally within a, a time span of hours, Joseph's life completely changed. You know, I think it's odd that all of those years, again, personally, I think it was about 10 years, all of those years in prison, you know, when the sun arose in Egypt that day, it arose like any other day. For Joseph, it was a normal day. And the sun rose as though it was a normal day. But God had big plans, amen? And let me tell you, those of you who, like me, you're believing God, like me, you're trusting God for a great outcome, one day the sun's going to come up just like any other normal average day, but it's not going to be a normal day, amen? It's going to be the day that God chooses to intervene. You say, Chad, when will that be? When he's made gold out of you. So be patient, my friend. Go through the refiner's fire. And so Pharaoh says among all of his counselors, is there a wiser man in Egypt than this man before us? Is there a man that the spirit of God is in like this man? And Joseph says, I'm going to make you my number two. He became prime minister right then on the spot. He literally went from the prison chains to prime minister. Can you believe that? And look what, well, look, look what Pharaoh gave Joseph. Number one, he gave him a signet ring. Number two, he gave him royal robes. Number three, he gave him a gold chain about his neck. And number four, he gave him the presidential limousine. He gave him his chariot, the number two chariot of the land. Just very quickly, because I've got to move along very quickly, what did the signet ring represent? Well, you know, back then, that was like signing a check or signing a bill. The way presidents today will sign law or sign bills or the way that you'll sign a check, well, that's what the signet ring did. Pharaoh took the signet ring off of his finger and gave it to Joseph. That represented power. It represented authority. Joseph now had the authority to sign as though he was signing for Pharaoh. They would take that signet ring, put it in hot wax, and wax that seal over the document, and that put it into law. And he literally went from prison chains to Pharaoh's authority and power. He then gave him a robe. Now, this is fascinating because you know how much coats have caused Joseph trouble, right? Well, now he's got the right robes. <laughs> And this will be the last time the Bible ever mentions his clothes. Thank God, right? <laughs> but really, can you, can you imagine it? Can you imagine wearing the same? The outfit was so bad they had to change his clothes. And now here he's handed Egyptian cotton. Imagine what the thread count was on those babies. <laughs> and what did he give him? A gold chain. Now watch this. This is fascinating. You, are you still with me? Okay. I don't know how many is here, but I'd say that's a good 60% of you. I'll take it. <laughs> he gave him a gold chain. Now, in, in ancient times, even in Paul's day, ambassadors wore thick gold chains because the thicker and the heavier the gold of the chain, the more power and wealth it said your, that your country had. So ambassadors were known for their thick gold chains. You know what that reminds me of? When Paul was in prison, 
How, how did Paul describe himself in prisoner? An ambassador in what? In chains. Do you see how Paul saw those prison chains? He saw them just like the thick gold chains of foreign diplomats. Hallelujah. Amen. And then he gave him the chariot, the number two chariot, Air Force Two. It was his. And this is what I find so interesting. When Joseph rode throughout Egypt on the chariot, you know what the decree was? Bow the knee. Do you remember his dreams when he was 17? How everything bowed before him? Providence. God has intervened. My last point for today. Not only did God refine Joseph in prison for two whole years, I think he was in prison for many, much longer, but I think it was those two whole years that God really made gold out of Joseph. Not only did God bring Joseph before Pharaoh, not only did God give Joseph the interpretation, not only did God promote Joseph to prime minister, not only did God give Joseph the signet ring and the royal robe and the, and the gold necklace and the, the second chariot. I mean, God did, I bet Joseph's head was spinning. You know what God did? God gave Joseph a family. See, he went all through his 20s. I can't imagine being a young man and saying, God, I turned down Potiphar's wife's sexual advancements, and now will I ever have a wife? Will I ever have children? Or am I gonna rot in this prison? No, God gave him a wife, and God gave him two sons. You ready for this? Say amen if you're ready for this. You know what he named his firstborn son? Manasseh. Oh, what a great name. If you're pregnant, oh, what a great name for your son. Manasseh. You ought to do that. Manasseh. Sure, you ought to figure out how to spell it. But Manasseh, what a great biblical name. (laughs) You know what the name Manasseh means? I have forgotten all my trouble from my youth. Are you hearing me right now? Joseph had the ability to not only forgive, but he forgot. What do we say so often in our day? Oh, I'll forgive, but I'll never. You've not been refined to gold yet. Let God refine you. I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Oh, God has some refining to do. Manasseh, God has caused me to forget all the trouble of my youth. You know what Joseph is saying? I'm never looking back. I'm looking ahead. Amen? Some of you can't go forward with God this morning because you live in the past. My friends, let the past be the past. Now that Joseph is prime minister, guess who works for Joseph? Potiphar. And guess what the Bible says that Joseph did to Potiphar and Mrs. Potiphar? Nothing. You know why? Because he was made gold. He was made gold. And God wants to do the same in you. And God wants to do the same in me. 
His second son, Ephraim. Oh, what a great name. Oh, 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 if you're having twins, Manasseh and Ephraim. Oh, what a great choice. I'll dedicate them to the Lord. Oh, I love it. I love it. Manasseh and Ephraim. And you know what he named Ephraim? The Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Do you hear any bitterness in him? Do you hear any despise in him? Is it in you today? Let God refine you. Let God work in you. And I'm telling you, God will promote you. Let God do the making of a godly man, the making of a godly woman, the making of a godly student. Let God do that work in you. And I promise you, he'll do it and he'll fulfill it. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads today. I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord right now. I don't know what you've suffered in your past. And I know it's very easy to live in the past. But maybe today, maybe today, whereas Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, maybe you should name today Manasseh. Maybe you should name today, this last Sunday of October, Manasseh, because you're never going to look back again. You're not only going to forgive the people who hurt you, you're going to forget about it too. Say, Chad, I can't forget. Listen, Joseph forgot. He forgot. You know what God does to your sin? He casts it as far as the east is to the west. He buries it in the sea of forgetfulness. So don't tell God you can't forget. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You want to go forward? You want to be blessed even in the land of affliction? You want to have God's peace in your life? You want to bless others? Then forget the past. Forget it. Don't just forgive it. Forget it. Then you can go forward. Some of you, God's had you in the king's prison. Don't despise it. Some of you, God has refined you. He is refining you as gold. Don't despise it. If you need to come pray today, you come right now. If there are people you need to forgive, if there are situations you need to forget, if you need strength in the king's prison, if you need to come and say, God, you know where I am in life right now and I'm not going to despise it, I'm going to glorify God in the midst of it. If you need to come and say, God, you do your work. Do it in my marriage. Do it in my job. Do it in my children. Do it in my heart. Do it in my family. Come and do your work, God. I'll yield to you. I'll submit to you. You come and you let the Lord work in your life. You let the Lord work in your heart. People will come and pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the lessons you taught Joseph. Thank you, God, that you did deliver him. You didn't leave him in that Egyptian pit. Your plans unfolded. It didn't unfold on the timetable he thought. Two whole years had to expire. But it did unfold. 
and your plans for us will unfold. Your plans for us will succeed. No one will thwart the plans of God, as the book of Job says. No one, no one. Your plans will succeed. (laughs) Those brothers won't thwart the plan of God. Potiphar's wife will not thwart the plans of God. The forgetfulness of the cupbearer will not thwart the plans of God. Your plans will succeed in our life. And we know the plans of God, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Glory to God. That's your plans. We don't, need, we don't need psychics. We don't need tarot cards. We don't need readings. We don't need fortune cookies. We don't need anything like that. We have the word of God speaking directly over our life. For surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Whether I'm blind or not. Whether I'm in the king's prison or not. Whether I'm comfortable or not. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. 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 So help us, Lord. Help us while we wait. Give us the patience of heaven. Help us, Lord God. Help us in our forgiveness of others. Let us hold no man in debt. Let us freely, freely forgive. Help us to forget, forget, forget. Help us not to dwell on the past and past hurts. Help us to dwell on today. Today, what you're doing today, the grace that is sufficient today. Help us to dwell in that, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 So, Lord, we yield to you today. We submit to you today. (coughs) We accept the refiner's fire and we pray for gold gold for our life to be pure for our attitudes to be pure and Lord I want to pray specifically right now for those in our church those watching online I want to pray specifically those who have bitterness their soul and their attitudes because of the actions of others for those who have great pain because of the actions of others those who have sorrow and those who despise where they are in life today because that wife left them or that husband walked out on the family those parents abuse them, whatever the case, God. Those who have sorrow today because of the actions of other people. Lord, will you teach them through the life of Joseph that you will supersede the actions of others and you will bless their life. Teach them that you will bring them to a place of Manasseh 
where they can not only forgive, they'll forget. And they will say, like Joseph in Genesis 50, you meant it for harm. Those people who walked out, those people who neglected, those people who were selfish, those people who were prideful, those people who trampled under us, they meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Hallelujah. And let the truth of your word and let the sovereignty of your plan come forth in our life and let it be as pure as gold itself to the praise and the honor and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise God. Praise God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.